Section 5 of the Exemplary Novels of Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Exemplary Novels by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by Walter K. Kelly. Rinconete and Cortadillo, or Peter of the Corner and the Little Cutter, Part 2. The two boys examined these movables attentively while awaiting the descent of the Señor Monipodio, but finding that he delayed his appearance, Rincón ventured to put his head into one of two small rooms which opened on the court. There he saw two fencing foils and two bucklers of cork hung upon four nails. There was also a great chest, but without a lid or anything to cover it, with three rush mats extended on the floor. On the wall and face of him was pasted a figure of Our Lady one of the coarsest of prints, and beneath it was a small basket of straw, with a little vessel of white earthenware sunk into the wall. The basket Rincón took to be a poor box for receiving alms, and the little basin he supposed to be a receptacle for holy water, as in truth they were. While the friends thus waited, there came into the court two young men of some twenty years each. They were clothed as students, and were followed soon afterwards by two of the basket boys or porters, and a blind man. Neither spoke a word to the other, but all began to walk up and down in the court. No long time elapsed before there also came in two old men clothed in black serge and with spectacles on their noses, which gave them an air of much gravity and made them look highly respectable. Each held in his hand a rosary, the beads of which made a ringing sound. Behind these men came an old woman wearing a long and ample gown who, without uttering a word, proceeded at once to the room wherein was the figure of Our Lady. She then took holy water with the greatest devotion, placed herself on her knees before the Virgin, and after remaining there a considerable time, first kissed the soil thrice, and then rising, lifted her arms and eyes towards heaven, in which attitude she remained a certain time longer. She then dropped her alms into the little wicker case, and that done, she issued forth among the company in the patio finally there were assembled in the court as many as fourteen persons of various costumes and different professions among the latest arrivals were two dashing and elegant youths with long mustachios hats of immense brims broad collars stiffly starched colored stockings garters with great bows and fringed ends swords of a length beyond that permitted by law and each having a pistol in his belt with a buckler hanging on his arm no sooner had these men entered than they began to look askance at Rincón and Cortado, whom they were evidently surprised to see there, as persons unknown to themselves. At length the newcomers accosted the two friends, asking if they were of the Brotherhood. We are so, replied Rincón, and the very humble servants of your worships besides. At this moment the señor Monipodio honored the respectable assembly with his welcome presence. He appeared to be about five or six and forty years old, tall and of dark complexion. His eyebrows met on his forehead, his black beard was very thick, and his eyes were deeply sunk in his head. He had come down in his shirt, through the opening of which was seen a hairy bosom, as rough and thick-set as a forest of brushwood. Over his shoulders was thrown a serge cloak, reaching nearly to his feet, which were cased in old shoes, cut down to make slippers. His legs were covered with a kind of linen gaiters, wide and ample, which fell low upon his ankles. His hat was that worn by those of the Ampa, bell formed in the crown and very wide in the brim. Across his breast was a leather baldric, 
supporting a broad short sword of the perillo fashion his hands were short and coarse the fingers thick and the nails much flattened his legs were concealed by the gaiters but his feet were of immoderate size and the most clumsy form in short he was the coarsest and most repulsive barbarian ever beheld with him came the conductor of the two friends who taking rincon and cortado each by a hand presented them to monipodio saying these are the two good boys of whom i spoke to your worship senor monipodio may it please your worship to examine them and you will see how well they are prepared to enter our brotherhood that i will do willingly replied monipodio but i had forgotten to say that when monipodio had first appeared all those who were waiting for him made a deep and long reverence the two dashing cavaliers alone excepted who did but just touch their hats and then continued their walk up and down the court monipodio also began to pace up and down the patio and as he did so he questioned the new disciples as to their trade their birthplace and their parents to this rincon replied our trade is sufficiently obvious since we are here before your worship as to our country it does not appear to me essential to the matter in hand that we should declare it any more than the names of our parents since we are not now stating our qualifications for admission into some noble order of knighthood what you say my son is true as well as discreet replied monipodio and it is without doubt highly prudent to conceal those circumstances for if things should turn out badly there is no need to have placed upon the books of register and under the sign manual of the justice clerk so-and-so native of such a place was hanged or made to dance at the whipping-post on such a day with other announcements of the like kind which to say the least of them do not sound agreeable in respectable ears thus i repeat that to conceal the name and abode of your parents and even to change your own proper appellation are prudent measures between ourselves there must nevertheless be no concealment for the present i will ask your names only but these you must give me rincon then told his name and so did cortado whereupon monipodio said henceforward i request and desire that you rincon call yourself rinconete and you cortado cortadillo these being names which accord as though made in a mould with your age and circumstances as well as with our ordinances which make it needful that we should also know the names of the parents of our comrades because it is our custom to have a certain number of masses said every year for the souls of our dead and of the benefactors of our society and we provide for the payment of the priests who say them by setting apart a share of our swag for that purpose these masses thus said and paid for are of great service to the souls aforesaid among our benefactors we count the alguacil who gives us warning the advocate who defends us the executioner who takes pity upon us when we have to be whipped and the man who when we are running along the street and the people in full cry after us bawling stop thief throws himself between us and our pursuers and checks the torrent saying let the poor wretch alone his lot is hard enough let him go and his crime will be his punishment we also count among our benefactors the good wenches who aid us by their labours while we are in prison or at the galleys our fathers and the mothers who brought us into the world and finally we take care to include the clerk of the court for if he befriend us there is no crime which he will not find means to reduce to a slight fault and no fault which he does not prevent from being punished for all these our brotherhood causes the sanctimonies ceremonies i have named to be solecized solemnized every year with all possible grandiloquence certainly replied rinconete now confirmed in that name 
Certainly that is a good work, and entirely worthy of the lofty and profound genius with which we have heard that you, Signor Monipodio, are endowed. Our parents still enjoy life, but should they precede us to the tomb, we will instantly give notice of that circumstance to this happy and highly esteemed fraternity, to the end that you may have sanctimonies solecized for their souls, as your worship is pleased to say with customary grandiloquence. And so it shall be done, returned Monipodio, if there be but a piece of me left alive to look to it. He then called their conductor, saying, Hello there, Ganchuelo. Is the watch set? Yes, replied the boy. Three sentinels are on guard, and there is no fear of a surprise. Let us return to business, then, said Monipodio. I would fain know from you, my sons, what you are able to do, that I may assign you an employment in conformity with your inclinations and accomplishments. I, replied Rinconete, know a trick or two to gammon a bumpkin. I am not a bad hand at hiding what a pal has prigged. I have a good eye for a gudgeon. I play well at most games of cards, and have all the best turns of the pasteboard at my finger ends. I have cut my eye teeth, and am about as easy to lay hold of as a hedgehog. I can creep through a cat-hole or down a chimney, as I would enter the door of my father's house, and will muster a million of tricks better than I could marshal a regiment of soldiers, and flabbergast the knowingest cove a deal sooner than pay back a loan of two reals. These are certainly the rudiments, admitted Monipodio, but all such things are no better than old lavender flowers, so completely worn out of all savour that there is not a novice who may not boast of being a master in them. They are good for nothing but to catch simpletons who are stupid enough to run their heads against the church steeple. But time will do much for you, and we must talk further together. On the foundation already laid you shall have half a dozen lessons, and I then trust in God that you will turn out a famous craftsman, and even, mayhap, a master. My abilities shall always be at your service, and that of the gentlemen who are our comrades, replied Rinconete, and Monipodio then turned towards Cortadillo. And you, Cortadillo, what may you be good for? he inquired, to which Cortadillo replied, For my part I know the trick called put in two and take out five, and I can dive to the bottom of a pocket with great precision and dexterity. Do you know nothing more? continued Monipodio. Alas, no, for my sins, that is all I can do, admitted Cortadillo. Do not afflict yourself, nevertheless, said the master. You are arrived at a good port, where you will not be drowned, and you enter a school in which you can hardly fail to learn all that is requisite for your future welfare. And now as to courage, how do you feel yourselves provided in that respect, my children? How should we be provided, returned Rinconete, but well and amply? We have courage enough to attempt whatever may be demanded in our art and profession. But I would have you to possess a share of that sort which would enable you to suffer as well as to dare, replied Monipodio, which would carry you, if need were, through a good half-dozen of ansias without opening your lips, and without once saying, This mouth is mine. We already know what the ansias are, Señor Monipodio, replied Cortadillo, and are prepared for all, since we are not so ignorant, but that we know very well that what the tongue says the throat must pay for, and great is the grace heaven bestows on the bold man, not to give him a different name, in making his life or death depend upon the discretion of his tongue, as though there were more letters in a no than an I. Halt there, my son, you need say no more, exclaimed Monipodio at this point of the discourse. The words you have just uttered suffice to convince, oblige, persuade, and constrain me at once to admit you both to full brotherhood, 
and dispense with your passing through the year of novitiate. I also am of that opinion, said one of the gaily dressed bravos, and this was the unanimous feeling of the whole assembly. They therefore requested that Monipodio would immediately grant the new brethren the enjoyment of all the immunities of their confraternity. Seeing that their good mien and judicious discourse proved them to be entirely deserving of that distinction. Monipodio replied that to satisfy the wishes of all, he at once conferred on those newcomers all the privileges desired, but he exhorted the recipients to remember that they were to hold the favor in high esteem, since it was a very great one, consisting in the exemption from payment of the media anata, or tax levied on the first theft they should commit, and rendering them free of all the inferior occupations of their office for the entire year. They were not obliged, that is to say, to bear messages to a brother of higher grade, whether in prison or at his own residence. They were permitted to drink their wine without water, and to make a feast when and where they pleased, without first demanding permission of their principal. They were, furthermore, to enter at once on a full share of whatever was brought in by the superior brethren, as one of themselves, with many other privileges, which the newcomers accepted as most signal favors, and on the possession of which they were felicitated by all present in the most polite and complimentary terms. While these pleasing ceremonies were in course of being exchanged, a boy ran in, panting for breath, and cried out, The alguacil of the vagabonds is coming direct to the house, but he has none of the marshalsea men with him. Let no one disturb himself, said Monipodio. This is a friend. Never does he come here for our injury. Calm your anxiety, and I will go out to speak with him. At these words all resumed their self-possession, for they had been considerably alarmed, and Monipodio went forth to the door of his house, where he found the alguacil, with whom he remained some minutes in conversation, and then returned to the company. "'Who was on guard to-day?' he asked, in the market of San Salvador. "'I was,' replied the conductor of our two friends, the estimable Ganchuelo. "'You,' replied Monipodio. "'How, then, does it happen that you have not given notice of an amber-coloured purse,' which has gone astray there this morning, and has carried with it fifteen crowns in gold, two double reals, and I know not how many cuartos. It is true, replied Ganchuelo, that this purse has disappeared, but it was not I took it, nor can I imagine who has done so. Let there be no tricks with me, exclaimed Monipodio. The purse must be found, since the alguacil demands it, and he is a friend who finds means to do us a thousand services in the course of the year. The youth again swore that he knew nothing about it, while Monipodio's collar began to rise, and in a moment flames seemed to dart from his eyes. "'Let none of you dare,' he shouted, "'to venture on infringing the most important rule of our order, for he who does so shall pay for it with his life. Let the purse be found, and if anyone has been concealing it to avoid paying the dues, let him now give it up. I will make good to him all that he would have been entitled to, and out of my own pocket, too.' for come what may, the alguacil must not be suffered to depart without satisfaction. But Ganchuelo could do no more than repeat, with all manner of oaths and imprecations, that he had neither taken the purse, nor ever set eyes on it. All this did but lay fuel on the flame of Monipodio's anger, and the entire assembly partook of his emotions, the honorable members perceiving that their statutes were violated, and their wise ordinances infringed. Seeing, therefore, that the confusion and alarm had now got to such a height, Rinconete began to think it time to allay it, and to calm the anger of his superior, who was bursting with rage. He took counsel for a moment with Cortadillo, 
and receiving his assent, drew forth the purse of the sacristan, saying, Let all questions cease, gentlemen. Let all questions cease, gentlemen. Here is the purse from which nothing is missing that the alguacil has described, since my comrade Cortadillo prigged it this very day with a pocket-handkerchief into the bargain, which he borrowed from the same owner. Thereupon Cortadillo produced the handkerchief before the assembled company. Seeing this, Monipodio exclaimed, Cortadillo the good, for by that title and surname shall you henceforward be distinguished. Keep the handkerchief, and I take it upon myself to pay you duly for this service. As to the purse, the alguacil must carry it away just as it is, for it belongs to a sacristan, who happens to be his relation, and we must make good in his case the proverb which says, To him who gives thee the entire bird, thou canst well afford a drumstick of the same. This good alguacil can save us from more mischief in one day than we can do him good in a hundred. All the brotherhood with one voice approved the spirit and gentlemanly proceeding of the two newcomers, as well as the judgment and decision of their superior, who went out to restore the purse to the alguacil. As to Cortadillo, he was confirmed in his title of the good, much as if the matter had concerned a don Alonso Pérez de Guzmán, surnamed the good, who from the walls of Tarifa threw down to his enemy the dagger that was to destroy the life of his only son. When Monipodio returned to the assembly, he was accompanied by two girls with rouged faces, lips reddened with carmine, and necks plastered with white. They wore short camlet cloaks, and exhibited airs of the utmost freedom and boldness. At the first glance, Riconete and Cortadillo could see what was the profession of these women. They had no sooner entered than they hurried with open arms, the one to Chiquisnaque, the other to Maniferro. These were the two bravos, one of whom bore the latter name because he had an iron hand, in place of one of his own, which had been cut off by the hand of justice. These two men embraced the girls with great glee, and inquired if they had brought the wherewithal to moisten their throats. "'How could we think of neglecting that, old blade?' replied one of the girls, who was called Gananciosa. "'Silvatillo, your scout, will be here before long with the clothes-basket, crammed with whatever good luck has sent us.' And true it was, for an instant afterwards a boy entered with a clothes-basket covered with a sheet. The whole company renewed their rejoicings on the arrival of Silvatillo, and Monipodio instantly ordered that one of the mats should be brought from the neighboring chamber, and laid out in the center of the court. Furthermore, he commanded that all the brotherhood should take places around it, in order that while they were taking the wrinkles out of their stomachs, they might talk about business. To this proposal, the old woman, who had been kneeling before the image, replied, Monipodio, my son, I am not in the humor to keep festival this morning, for during the last two days I have had a giddiness and pain in my head that go near to make me mad. I must besides be at Our Lady of the Waters before midday strikes, having to accomplish my devotions and offer my candles there, as well as at the crucifix of St. Agustin, for I would not fail to do either, even though it were to snow all day and blow a hurricane. What I came here for is to tell you that last night the renegade and centipede brought to my house a basket somewhat larger than that now before us. It was as full as it could hold of fine linen, and on my life and soul it was still wet and covered with soap, just as they had taken it from under the nose of the washerwoman, so that the poor fellows were perspiring and breathless beneath its weight. It would have melted your heart to see them as they came in, with the water streaming from their faces, and they as red as a couple of cherubs. 
they told me besides that they were in pursuit of a cattle dealer who had just had some sheep weighed at the slaughter-house and they were then hastening off to see if they could not contrive to grab a great cat which the dealer carried with him they could not therefore spare time to count the linen or take it out of the basket but they relied on the rectitude of my conscience and so may god grant my honest desires and preserve us all from the power of justice as these fingers have refrained from touching the basket which is as full as the day it was born we cannot doubt it good mother replied monipodio let the basket remain where it is i will come at nightfall to fetch it away and will then ascertain the quantity and quality of its contents giving to every one the portion due to him faithfully and truly as it is my habit to do let it be as you shall command rejoined the old woman and now as it is getting late give me something to drink if you have it there something that will comfort this miserable stomach which is almost famishing for want that you shall have and enough of it mother exclaimed escalanta the companion of gananciosa and uncovering the basket she displayed a great leather bottle containing at least two arrobas of wine with a cup made of cork in which you might comfortably carry off an asumbre or honest half-gallon of the same this escalanta now filled and placed it in the hands of the devout old woman who took it in both her own and having blown away a little froth from the surface she said you have poured out a large quantity escalanta my daughter but god will give me strength whereupon without once taking breath and at one draught she poured the whole from the cup down her throat it is real guadalcanal said the old woman when she had taken breath and yet it has just a tiny smack of the gypsum god comfort you my daughter as you have comforted me i am only afraid that the wine may do me some mischief seeing that i have not yet broken my fast no mother it will do nothing of the kind returned monipodio for it is three years old at the least may the virgin grant that i may find it so replied the old woman then turning to the girls see children she said whether you have not a few maravedis to buy the candles for my offerings of devotion i came away in so much haste to bring the news of the basket of linen that i forgot my purse and left it at home yes dame pipota such was the name of the old woman i have some replied gananciosa here are two cuartos for you and with one of them i beg you to buy a candle for me which you will offer in my name to the signor saint michael or if you can get two with the money you may place the other at the altar of the signor san blas for those two are my patron saints i also wish to give one to the signora santa lucia for whom i have a great devotion on account of the eyes but i have no more change to-day so it must be put off till another time when i will square accounts with all don't be niggard mind it is a good thing to carry one's own candles before one dies and not to wait until they are offered by the heirs and executors of our testament you speak excellently mother pipota said escalanta and putting her hand into her pocket she drew forth a cuarto which she gave the old woman requesting her to buy two candles for her likewise and offer them to such saints as she considered the most useful and the most likely to be grateful with this old pipota departed saying enjoy yourselves my dears now while you have time for old age will come and you will then weep for the moments you may have lost in your youth as i do now commend me to god in your prayers and i will remember you as well as myself in mine that he may keep us all and preserve us in this dangerous trade of ours from all the terrors of justice these words concluded the old woman went her way
Dame Pipota having disappeared, all seated themselves round the mat, which Gananciosa covered with the sheet in place of a tablecloth. The first thing she drew from the basket was an immense bunch of radishes. This was followed by a couple of dozens or more of oranges and lemons. Then came a great earthen pan filled with slices of fried ling, half a Dutch cheese, a bottle of excellent olives, a plate of shrimps, and a large dish of crawfish, with their appropriate sauce of capers, drowned in pepper vinegar. Three loaves of the whitest bread from Gandul completed the collation. The number of guests at this breakfast was fourteen, and not one of them failed to produce his yellow-handled knife, Rinconete alone excepted, who drew his dudgeon dagger instead. The two old men in serge gowns, and the lad who had been the guide of the two friends, were charged with the office of cup-bearers, pouring the wine from the bottle into the cork cup. But scarcely had the guests taken their places before they were all startled, and sprang up in haste at the sound of repeated knocks at the door. Bidding them remain quiet, Monipodio went into one of the lower rooms, unhooked a buckler, took his sword in his hand, and going to the door, inquired in a rough and threatening voice, who is there? All right, senor, it is I, Tagarote, on sentry this morning, replied a voice from without. I come to tell you that Juliana de Cariarta is coming, with her hair all about her face and crying her eyes out, as though some great misfortune had happened to her. He had scarcely spoken when the girl he had named came sobbing to the door, which Monipodio opened for her, commanding Tagarote to return to his post, and ordering him, moreover, to make less noise and uproar when he should next bring notice of what was going forward, a command to which the boy promised attention. Cariarta, a girl of the same class and profession with those already in presence, had meanwhile entered the court, her hair streaming in the wind, her eyes swollen with tears, and her face covered with contusions and bruises. She had no sooner got into the patio than she fell to the ground in a fainting fit. Gananciosa and Escalanta sprang to her assistance, unfastened her dress, and found her breast and shoulders blackened and covered with marks of violence. After they had thrown water on her face, she soon came to herself, crying out as she did so, The justice of God and the king on that shameless thief, that cowardly cut-person, dirty scoundrel, whom I have saved from the gibbet more times than he has hairs in his beard. Alas, unhappy creature that I am, see for what I have squandered my youth and spent the flower of my days, for an unnatural, worthless, and incorrigible villain. Recover yourself and be calm, Cariarta, said Monipodio. I am here to render justice to you and to all. Tell me your cause of complaint, and you shall be longer in relating the story than I will be in taking vengeance. Let me know if anything has happened between you and your respeto, and if you desire to be well and duly avenged. You have but to open your mouth. Protector, exclaimed the girl, what kind of protector is he? It were better for me to be protected in hell than to remain any longer with that lion among sheep and sheep among men. Will I ever eat again with him at the same table, or live under the same roof? Rather would I give this flesh of mine, which he has put into the state you shall see, to be devoured alive by raging beasts. So saying, she pulled up her petticoats to her knees, and even a little higher, and showed the wheels with which she was covered. That's the way, she cried, that I have been treated by that ungrateful Repolido, who owes more to me than to the mother that bore him. And why do you suppose he has done this? Do you think I have given him any cause? No, truly. His only reason for serving me so was that being at play and losing his money, he sent Cabrillas, his scout, to me for thirty reals, 
and I could only send him twenty-four. May the pains and troubles with which I earned them be counted to me by heaven in remission of my sins. But in return for this civility and kindness, fancying that I had kept back part of what he chose to think I had got, the blackguard lured me out to the fields this morning, beyond the king's garden, and there, having stripped me among the olive trees, he took off his belt, not even removing the iron buckle. Oh, that I may see him clapped in irons and chains! And with that he gave me such an unmerciful flogging that he left me for dead. And that's a true story, as the marks you see bear witness. Here Carierta once more set up her pipes and craved for justice, which was again promised to her by Monipodio and all the bravos present. The gananciosa then tried her hand at consoling the victim, saying to her among other things, I would freely give my best gown that my fancy man had done as much by me. For I would have you know, sister Carierta, if you don't know it yet, that he who loves best thrashes best, and when these scoundrels whack us and kick us, it is then they most devoutly adore us. Tell me now, on your life, after having beaten and abused you, did not Repolido make much of you and give you more than one caress? More than one, replied the weeping girl. He gave me more than a hundred thousand, and would have given a finger off his hand if I would only have gone with him to his posada. Nay, I even think that the tears were almost starting from his eyes after he had leathered me. Not a doubt of it, replied Gananciosa and he would weep now to see the state he has put you into, for men like him have scarcely committed the fault before repentance begins. You will see, sister, if he does not come back here to look for you before we leave the place, and see if he does not beg you to forgive what has passed, and behave to you as meek and as humble as a lamb. By my faith, observed Monipodio, the cowardly ruffian shall not enter these doors until he has made full reparation for the offense he has committed. How dare he lay a hand on poor Cariarta, who for cleanliness and industry is a match for Gananciosa herself, and that is saying everything. Alas, Señor Monipodio, replied Juliana, please do not speak too severely of the miserable fellow, for hard as he is, I cannot but love him as I do the very folds of my heart, and the words spoken in his behalf by my friend Gananciosa have restored the soul to my body. Of a truth, if I consulted only my own wishes, I should go this moment and look for him. No, no, replied Gananciosa, you shall not do so by my counsel, for to do that would make him proud. He would think too much of himself, and would make experiments upon you as on a dead body. Keep quiet, sister, and in a short time you will see him here repentant, as I have said, and if not, we will write verses on him that shall make him roar with rage. Let us write by all means, returned Juliana, for I have a thousand things to say to him. And I will be your secretary, if need be, rejoined Monipodio, for although I am no poet, yet a man has but to tuck up the sleeves of his shirt, set well to work, and he may turn off a couple of thousand verses in the snapping of a pair of scissors. Besides, if the rhyme should not come so readily as one might wish, I have a friend close by, a barber, who is a great poet, and will trim up the ends of the verses at an hour's notice. At present, however, let us go finish our repast. All the rest can be done afterwards. Juliana was not unwilling to obey her superior, so they all fell to again at the Obi Joyful with so much good will that they soon saw the bottom of the basket and the dregs of the great leather bottle. The old ones drank sine fine, the younger men to their hearts content, and the ladies till they could drink no more. When all was consumed, the two old men begged permission to take their leave, which Monipodio allowed them to do, 
but charged them to return punctually for the purpose of reporting all they should see or hear that could be useful to the brotherhood they assured him they would by no means fail in their duty and then departed end of rinconete and cortadillo or peter of the corner and the little cutter part two